0: The following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the Word of God without apology. For more information about our church, visit our website at harvestberry.ca or email us at info at harvestberry.ca. We trust that this message will challenge and transform you. Happy New Year! Great to be here, and uh, you made it through Christmas, you made it through the new year, and here we are, and uh, so it's always great to uh, have a, a new start. I know that the, the, some people just say, hey, that calendar thing, we just kind of invented that. It's like fake, and so, you know, new beginnings and new years, that's, that's all just, but you know what, it, we work with that, and so it's always a great to take an opportunity and say, hey, let's just stop and, and take a look at things. As a matter of fact, Donald S. Whitney, author of Praying the Bible, says, even those most faithful to God occasionally need to stop and pause and think about the direction of their lives. It's so easy to bump along from one busy week to another without ever stopping to ponder where we're going and uh, where we should be going. So the beginning of a new year is an ideal time to stop, look up, and get our bearings. And so we want to do that today and uh, with a challenge from Paul. And perhaps we'll find that we need to refocus our lives. And so, uh, Steps is an opportunity to do that, and, and today actually is an opportunity to do that. So, let's, uh, here's a goal to put in front of us. Second Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1 says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. So one verse, that's all I get, one verse, and we're going to work through it kind of backwards and uh, uh, phrase by phrase backwards. And uh, what, what it is, is this passage is actually all about uh, discipleship within relationship. And Paul is writing to the Corinthians and when he gives them this challenge, it's, it's on the basis of the fact that, that uh, he was there and he planted that church and he, uh, he led a lot of them to the Lord and was working with them and uh, he had invested a lot into their lives and he loved them, but he had told them when you uh, begin to follow Christ, it makes a huge difference and you can't just continue to live life the way that you did before. And Corinth was a place that was filled with idolatry and idol worship and things that went along with that, a lot of sexual promiscuity that went along with it. And Paul was telling the Corinthians, look, uh, if you're going to follow Christ, you can't keep doing all that stuff because they're antithetical. And so um, some of the Corinthians didn't really like that. And they were kind of upset with Paul. So he's writing to them and he he says this in uh, chapter 6 verses 11 to 13. He says, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open to you. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts to us also. Paul's saying, look, my heart is wide open to you. I love you. I'm not saying these things to to put some kind of a heavy burden on you. I love you. This is for your good. And if you won't receive it, it's not because um, my love for you is defective. It's because uh, you're not able to receive my love because you refuse to obey the scriptures and, uh, and, and choose righteousness. As is so often the case with those that we love. Um, it isn't our love that's the problem. It's uh, an unwillingness to receive it. And perhaps you've had that experience. So Paul's uh, pleading with them, open your hearts to me. And so as we read on through uh, the, the, the uh, letter, it, it turns out that um, the Corinthians listened to Paul and they opened their hearts to him. And uh, ver- chapter seven talks about how they repent and they turn to him and they turn to righteousness. And in a, in a survey of everyone as they left church the next week, everybody was fine and that's what we are. We're fine. We say, how are you? Uh, we're fine, and uh, we say that a lot, and that's okay, and we're just going to leave it right there for right now. We're all just fine, and so welcome. I'm glad that you're fine, um, but deep down, deep down, we know that uh, God is in our lives, and he's not going anywhere, and he's not changing, and um, Maybe everything's not fine. So perhaps you're in a place where you're wide open to what God's doing in you. And you're just grabbing a hold of everything that he has for you right now. You're so excited about God's word. And, and God's working in you like perhaps he never has before. Or, or, or perhaps uh, you're not. Uh, maybe uh, you're running from what he has for you. Well, I want to encourage you. Uh, today, open your heart. Open your heart uh, to God's word, open your heart to God, and, and uh, let's see um, what God might have for us this year. What, what it might take uh, for me to move towards God a, a little bit, to move the needle a little bit. Uh, so let's start with this. Um, just before we get into God's word, let's, let's uh, pray and ask him to, uh, to do a great work here. All right, Father, thank you for your word. And Father, as we uh, look into it now and try and take it apart a little bit and apply it to our lives and and, and, uh, grab a hold of the truth that you have given to us, uh, Father, we pray that you would uh, use your word uh, in a way only you can. Father we invite your spirit to be here among us uh, speaking to us and applying it in ways that that we are unwilling to or or cannot but father you can and you can speak to us today father i pray that about, be a above all else that Jesus Christ would be revealed here uh, to us in his glory that our eyes uh, the spiritual eyes of our heart would be open to see him in all his glory and attracted to him and father I pray that would be our experience as we leave father uh, above all else may Jesus Christ be lifted up in our eyes today and uh, may we be changed by that And Father, that is what we need, that is why we're here, and so uh, that is why you have brought us here, and so we uh, commit this time to you and pray that you would use it in that very way. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So let's get refocusing our life. How about this? Refocus your life with a new purpose, a new purpose. This is the what of the Christian life, and we uh, all have all kinds of purposes, things that we want to accomplish, and so uh, maybe let's just stop and think about it. What do you want? What do you want? If you could just dream a little bit. So, well, um, probably all of us would say, well, it would be nice to be rich. I'd, I'd like that. And so um, the question always comes, like, how are you planning to actually accomplish that? Well, I'm buying lottery tickets, so you're probably helping somebody else become rich. But, uh, you know, well, I just want to be rich, or I want to be famous. Or maybe this is yours. I, I want to have 10,000 Facebook friends. Uh, or maybe, uh, maybe yours is like mine is like I never, ever want to even be on Facebook. That's my, my, uh, one of my goals. And so uh, we have all these things that we want to accomplish. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, you want to be, uh, I want to be sexy. Or, uh, or maybe the Christian version of that, I just want to be physically fit, right? <laughs> we, we play around with that. That's not a bad thing, by the way. A lot of these goals are, are good. Uh, to be debt-free or, or the opposite, uh, to own a Mustang. Just, you know, just saying, Um Fix or repair daily. It's made by Ford. So uh, you know what? What are, or you could have a, a Jeep. Just empty every pocket. So there's uh, you know, we have we have Christian goals. We have goals that are a lot more like in line with Scripture. And so, uh, uh, like, I I just I want to be more patient. Don't ask for that. That is the kiss of death, isn't it? Don't we, let's just not, let's agree, we're not going to ask for that this year. Um, But there's a lot of things that we do want. We want to be more gracious. Uh, Perhaps, uh, one of my goals is like, I I just want to get to a place where I actually have forgiven that person. And it's a struggle, and and I want to get there. Or, or, um, this is the one everybody has, I want to get into God's word more. I just want to be in God's word more. And uh, sometimes, like, how hard is that just? Like, get into God's word more. but um, So how about this? How about this for a goal? I want to be more like God. I want to be like God. You go, like, well, that sounds like pretty um, arrogant. Actually, it's not. Um, Paul says here that this is a goal, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Holiness. Uh, sometimes we call that sanctification, or is really just uh, growth in likeness to Christ. First John three two says that when He appears, we shall be like Him for we shall see him as he is we're going to be like him uh, Ephesians 4:13 says Paul says we're we're to be growing uh, until we reach the full stature of Jesus Christ until we're mature ma- like he is until we grow up into him and so uh, we are to be like Christ uh, who is God and uh, Second Peter one four says that we can actually be partakers of the divine nature, and that doesn't mean we become God. That's not some kind of New Agey thing. It's we become like Him in our nature, and uh, so this is God's plan for us. Actually, is to be like Christ. Now, now I'm I'm afraid. I hope I'm not losing you already. I hope that you're not sitting here going, "Oh great, another one of those sermons about how I'm not good enough and I got to try harder and uh, at a boy like just uh, you you got to do better because actually you suck, right?" Um, okay, I hope that you don't walk out of here this morning with that sense because it's not what I want to focus on is the hope that God gives to us that we actually can uh, grow and we can be transformed and we can be changed and that's what uh, our focus wants to be and so uh, let 's just talk about holiness for a second, uh, sanctification. the scriptures actually uh, tell us that there 's uh, kind of three different aspects of it, uh, so there 's positional uh, holiness and when uh, when I recognize my need. Uh, as a sinner, I'm uh, separated from God and Jesus Christ did everything necessary to uh, bring me to God to, uh, ex- uh, so that he came and died on the cross and paid for my sin and so I can be forgiven. And when I uh, trust him, when uh, I place my faith in him, I, I trust that Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he did and and that it's uh, for me and I ask him to forgive my sin and be my savior, then God looks at me in Christ. My sin is put on Christ and his righteousness is put on me and so positionally God looks at me as being perfect. I'm just like his son and uh, that's true. That's, that's when I trust Christ, uh, I'm, I have uh, the perfection of Jesus Christ is uh, given to me and God looks at me that way. And even though I, as I go through this life, that was true. The moment I received Christ, uh, he forgave me and gave me Christ's righteousness and, and, and said, you're perfect in my eyes. And uh, I've lived a, a lot of years since then and I've done a number of things, but that has not changed. That does not change. Now I've done some things and they affected my relationship with my heavenly father and then needed did to, to deal with that but, but he has never ever seen me outside now of Jesus Christ and his perfection. And that's what salvation is. And so, positionally, I'm I'm seen as perfect. Now, now practically, as I'm walking through life, uh, God wants me to grow in holiness. He wants me to grow more and more like Jesus Christ. And I love uh, I love First John chapter two, uh, verses. 12 to 14, this is an early Christian hymn probably, uh, we should get Jordan to write some music for it and we could sing it, um, and there's two stanzas to it, and it, it just pictures for us kind of the scope of the Christian life, and I love it, it says, I am writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his namesake, I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning, I am writing to you young men because you have overcome the evil one, I write to you children because you know the father, I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. And uh, so we see this picture of the Christian life and you begin uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. You know God, you have a relationship with him through faith and your sins are forgiven. And so you're just a child. You're you're like a baby, an infant that comes to him and you're forgiven and you know him and, and now you're in relationship to him. But then you become a young man and you're nurturing God's word in your heart, and you're overcoming the evil or the evil one, and so gradually you're growing, you're becoming strong, and uh, so so many. I I, uh, I I I sat with a a mom, and she was weeping for her children because they know better, and and they say, yeah, but I just I just I'm so weak, I just can't live, and it's because they're not investing themselves in God's word, they're not trying. She says, she says, you're not even trying to live for Christ. And uh, we, we, we grow strong as we apply God's word in our lives and, and we become uh, mature and we grow and, and then we become fathers. And fathers, it, it insinuates that they've had some children. They've maybe led some people to uh, know the Lord as their savior. They're discipling someone. They're training uh, their children up to walk with Christ. And, and what's exciting about it is uh, they have a relationship still with God, but it's a much deeper relationship. They know the one who is from the beginning and that's kind of an open-ended opportunity for us. You're never so mature that you know everything about God and so it's exciting that my Christian life doesn't have to come become stale because there's always more for me to know and understand about the one who is from the beginning. And there's more to know about God. And so I want to encourage you if you've been walking with God for a, a long time and you're kind of thinking like, yeah, I I'm, I'm led some people to the Lord and I'm, I'm mature and I got this thing down. Hey, there's more for you too. There's still more for you too. And so um, I love that. And then uh, the third phase. So, so there, there's my positional uh, holiness. There's practical holiness that I should be going in, growing in. And then there's finally my perfect holiness when I'm with Christ. It says when he appears, we'll be like him. And uh, that's a, an exciting time when we'll, be, we'll have a, a new body. Uh, a changed body that's fit for living in the presence of God and will be there freed from the presence of sin. And uh, right now God gives us um, uh, freedom from the power of sin. And this is so important uh, to know. Uh, so this question may come to mind. If, if we're not ever going to be perfect here, why are we called to bring holiness to completion? Why are we called? Why does Peter say, be holy for I am holy? If, if we can't make it, why are we uh, commanded to be? And, and so let me just say, just because you're not going to reach the goal doesn't mean you move the goalposts. Don't move the goalposts. Uh, on the Christian life here. And uh, the, the actual fact is that the standard is God himself and he has arranged for us to eventually meet that goal. And right now, as we said, positionally, he's forgiven our sin and given us the righteousness of his son. And practically, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he is freeing us from the power of sin and so that we can grow uh, and become strong. And then eventually, he's guaranteed to bring us to that place of reality and so, as goals go, we can see that many of the goals that we might have as, as a believer can be tucked in under uh, becoming more like God, right? Um, goals to be more, I want to be more gracious this year, and I, I want to I be more loving this year. And those goals fit in uh, very well with becoming more like God because He's those things. Um, and there's some goals, there's some goals that I might have, and, and they don't actually fit with becoming more like God. And so, those goals maybe need to be uh, set aside. And so we need to think about that. So uh, refocus your life with a, a new purpose. Um, the goal is, is holiness and growing in holiness. So that brings us to this. Refocus your life with a, a new process. So the what of the Christian life is growing in holiness. The how of the Christian life is this process of uh, growing in holiness. So let's take a look. It says here, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of holiness. The flesh and spirit of body, it's actually the word uh, flesh and spirit. So there's a, a few different ways to a, approach a growing in holiness. Um, um, you, could, you could choose the Bob Dylan uh, way. How many are all for learning um, how to live the Christian life from Bob Dylan? Okay, here's what he said. People, uh, this may be true actually of you. People seldom do what they believe in. They do what is convenient and then repent. Uh, isn't it sad that that's actually true, true? I've been there, have have you been there, come on, don't leave me hanging here, okay, (laughs) all right, Uh, yeah, we've we've done that, Uh, a more consistent approach is captured in this by Dale Partridge of startupcamp.com, your beliefs don't make you a better person, your behavior does, that's a little more to the point, right, like, okay, yeah, you say you believe, but like, if it's not being lived out, so I believe in love, but if you're not loving, well, that's not very helpful. So, um, yeah, becoming holy practically is the focus of this new purpose. And there are two terms in Scripture that talk about this process. One is mortification. Perhaps you've heard of that one. It means the, to to put to death. Uh, and so we're told to put to death the old man, our old nature. And the other is vivification, you've probably not heard that term very often, it means to make alive, so we're to make alive the new person, and so we're to invest ourselves in, in uh, putting off the old man and putting on the new man, is one way that Paul talks about it, and th- we're involved in that, and so um, here in this passage though, the emphasis is on the, the, the putting to death the old nature, the emphasis here is on cleansing ourselves from defilement, defilement. It says, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement uh, of body and spirit. Interesting, the the body and spirit there, the flesh and spirit is really just talking about me as a whole person. You see, sin defiles all of me. I I don't like sin with my body and it doesn't touch my spirit. No, no, it's not like that. And so defilement is really like um, to be dirty, to be smeared with mud or something else. Um, now, I, I kind of don't picture this as like getting dirty, like working on a car and getting all greasy or sliding into second base. This is, this is more like getting dirty, like the stuff you step on when you're at the dog park. And you've ever tried to clean that out of the treads of your running shoe, right? That's the... That's the so one day uh, we had a little backpack that we picked up and we'd taken it somewhere. And well, we were going somewhere again. And so I was looking for this backpack and it was hanging in the, the, front, uh, the front closet. And, and we'd been having problems with these little flies... All over, and I was wondering what's going on with that, and and we don't have any fruit out, and there's no garbage, and like where are these coming from? And as I was looking through the backpack, I found in one of the pockets uh, we apparently not finished supper and there was a sandwich stuffed in there and the grease had gone into the backpack and, and I opened up and, and there, was, there, was, there was like maggots in there and it was like living. And I was like, oh my goodness, this thing is defiled. And, and like, am I going to clean it? And, no, I just got that thing out of my house. I took it outside and I threw it beside the garage until the garbage day came. Like it was defiled. It was defiled. But, but you know it gets worse than that? It gets worse than that. Sometimes defilement gets on us. And so uh, um, when I was a much younger uh, person, I went to visit a a farmer friend. And I I wore these really kind of nice light-colored corduroys. And and I got there, and his wife said, well, you know, he's in the barn. And I said, yeah, that's okay. I'll go see him in the barn. And so a little later, somebody said, um, what's that green stuff on your pants? And um, I said, well, you know, it's sloop. That's, that's how this word is defined in the, far, translated in the farmer's almanac, defilement, it's sloop, it was sloop, yeah, you slip on it, and you know, it's, it's in the barn, and the cows were eating a lot of grass lately, and so I had this green stuff, and he said, I don't think that's coming out, right, and defilement is like that, it, it defiles, and it, like that's not, that kind of stain is not coming out. But you know, it, it's not just around us and it's not just sometimes on us. It's sometimes in us. Jesus said this. Uh, he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. Defilement. For from within, out of the heart of man I want you to just stop. I'm going to read a list here. It's not an exhaustive list. I'm going to ask you to let the Spirit of God just think about the culture that we live in. The Corinthians lived in this culture and Paul said, you can't partake in that culture anymore. You're different. And so as I read this list about the things that could be in our hearts, think about the culture that we live in and how rampant these things are. And and we just need to ask God, am I allowing these things? uh, Are we defiled from these? Out of the heart of man come evil thoughts sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. we, uh, We experience defiling. You know, there's an answer to defilement. First John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all sin, from the defilement, from the stain of sin. Only Jesus, he washes us whiter than snow. He's the perfect son of God and he came... And he, he uh, in, in perfect righteousness, he lived a perfect life. He never sinned. And then, and then he took our stains upon him. And he washed them clean with his blood as a sacrifice, uh, satisfying God's wrath. And so that we can uh, experience the cleansing. He took our stain on him and gave us his perfect, pure righteousness. And uh, that's the transaction that happens by faith when we receive him as our savior. And now he wants us to grow into that. And so this process, this process is, is to uh, cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the flesh and the spirit. And so uh, we're refocusing our lives with this new process. That's what our steps program is all about. Uh, cleansing from past defilement, the things that I have done and the things that have been done perhaps to me that have defiled my spirit uh, because that's what happens, right? It's not just around us. And it's not just, uh, we, need to, we need to be cleansed from the defilement in our homes. Things that we've allowed into our environment that are wrong. And God, Paul doesn't say get out of the environment. He never says, D-, like, get out of the world. He knows that we have to be in the world. But he says, don't let the world into you. And so there's some things. I just want to ask the question. Have we allowed some of the things of our culture that are defiling uh, into our homes, and then, more importantly, have, have I allowed them to defile my hands? Have I participated in some of those things in our culture that are defiling? And as one truck driver said to me, it's not just bodily fluids. And we, we have lived defiled lives and allowed our hands. And, and then what, what really counts is it's in our hearts, right? And God wants us to be free of those things. And our STEPS program is, is for that. And sometimes we just need, it's not different it's it's not new news it's it's the gospel of Jesus Christ applied to the to the particular issues of our heart and uh, some of those include anger and abuse sex guilt and shame fear anxiety and Grief and, and many of these things def- have defiled our hearts because we've not responded to them in the, in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and sometimes we struggle because it's hard. It's, it takes some time to work through those things. And so the STEPS program, that's what it's all about, is, is working through applying the gospel to those specific areas because Jesus Christ paid for that Uh, sin he took our shame on him he became stained for us and so that we can be the righteousness of Jesus Christ in him and so uh, this question may come to your mind as we talk about these things Um, if we're not going to be perfect on this earth how good do I have to get sometimes we say this and and, uh, Matt Chandler said it in our little clip it's okay to not be okay it's just not okay to stay that way we say that it's okay to not be okay It's not okay to stay that way. Well, perhaps that brings this question to mind. If it's okay to not be okay, just how not okay is okay. (laughs) Because there's some and we're really not okay. And I want to tell you, I'm not okay. And all of your pastors and elders, this may be disappointing to you, but we're not okay. Uh, Because we're not moving the goalposts. The goalposts is the perfection of Jesus Christ. We want to become like him. You say, well, okay, like, I am nowhere close to that. You just don't know how not okay I am. I was talking to a girl once. She'd been involved in our fellowship, not here, another church. And um, she'd been missing for quite some time. And I, I ran across her and I said, like, hey, hey, uh, Cheryl, where have you been? Where have you been? We miss you. What, what's going on? She said, oh, Roger, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've been doing. I said, it's okay, just come home. Come home. It doesn't matter how not okay you are, you're welcome here. God welcomes you. There's nothing that his blood cannot cover. You're welcome here. And I hope that that's uh, the kind of church we are where it doesn't matter how not okay you are, you're welcome here. We're glad that you're here because there's always room for repentance and faith. Now, sometimes we say this though, I'm not okay, how not okay can I stay? We have a different approach for that because um, a refusal to repent, a refusal to acknowledge how broken I am, a refusal to uh, allow the spirit of God to work in me, uh, that calls for a different response. Uh, That's rebellion and it's, uh, it's, the goalpost hasn't moved. So here's what we ask. In this process. We're in this process together. Here's what we ask. Take the roof off and be authentic with God. Um, Nothing is hidden from the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God knows. God knows. And yet we still hide from him, don't we? When Adam and Eve were hiding in the garden, did God know where they were? Uh, Yes, he did. He he was not fooled. And when they came out with their little fig leaves, um, um, did that fool God? No, he knew. He knew. He knew. And we don't hide from God, and yet we do. And so God longs for us to come to him with an open heart. Take the roof off and be authentic. That's what we call that, being authentic. Uh, who I am before God admitting it. And then we ask you to take the walls down and be transparent with one another. Not with everybody. We don't haul you up here and say, hey, this is what this person let like. No, no, no. But with a few people uh, that we build trust with, uh, a circle of disclosure where we can be transparent um, we take the walls down and we're transparent because we need each other to help each other. And so uh, we, we believe in radical amputation. I don't give any room for my flesh. I cut off every avenue uh, because I cannot trust my flesh. But then I have radical accountability. I need some people with me to help me. And, and it's not like, boy, I hope they don't catch me. It's like, I need them to help me do this better. And so we're in this together. We're helping each other. And then uh, what's really needed is radical worship. And We'll get to that in a half a sec. So, take the roof off and be authentic before God. Take the walls down and be transparent with one another. And in the context of this vulnerable community, let us grow in Christ likeness together, Uh, cleansing ourselves from the things that defile us. That's our goal. That's what we want to do. And I I think that we can help each other uh, to do that. Uh, So, listen, is that scary? Is that scary for you? That's scary for me. It ought to be scary. Really? To be vulnerable? Are you crazy? Um, listen, that's what God calls us to. And it's such a beautiful thing when we have it. It's such an attractive thing because that's what people long for and it's what the world will never, ever give them. And, it, and we have that here uh, in the church. And so why would I do that? Well, that brings us to this uh, radical worship. Uh, refocus your life with a new perspective. This is the why. This is the Why? Why would I do that? This is the why of the Christian life. The what of the Christian life is growing in holiness. The how is cleansing ourselves from every defilement of the flesh. The why. Why would I do that? Why? Well, maybe you'll ask this question. Hey, look, wait a minute, Roger. You said that uh, one day we're going to all be perfect. Like, we're going to be with Christ. When he comes back, where I die and I go to be with him, I'll be perfect. And so, if we're all getting to the finish line, right? If we're all going to get there, why work at it now? If the both the tortoise and the hare get to the finish line. Why rush around? Why, why hurry? Why not just like let it happen and just like I can just relax and do whatever I want right now and because I'm going to get there anyway. Well, there's Second uh, Peter offers like about 20 reasons why uh, you should pursue holiness. Uh, one of them being you can't really know that you really were born again from God if you're not pursuing holiness. That would be a good reason to grab a hold of it. Um, it's better for you it's better for you to pursue holiness uh, because there's consequences. There's always consequences for sin. And so those are just a couple quick ones that I'm thinking of. But here's, 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 here's the most important one. Here's the most important one. Paul says, since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves. Why should I pursue holiness? Because of these promises. What are they? Let's look at them. Chapter six. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. I will be a father to you. You shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. The Almighty God, Jesus, the Holy One, has stepped into our lives. Often unasked, uninvited, and yet he he revealed himself to us. He stepped into our lives. Do you remember when he did that for you? I remember when he did that. He stepped in the Holy One of God. And he's here now among us. We, we are the temple of the living God. Now I know I, my body is the temple of the living God. Because the Holy Spirit lives in me. But in a special way he says. We together are the temple of the living God. God, God himself, the Holy One. Walks among us. He's here now. Perhaps touching you on your shoulder. To encourage you a little bit. Putting his arm around you to bring some comfort. Touching your heart. And speaking to you. He's here And we believe this. He's revealing himself to us. The Holy One has come among us. That's why we should live holy lives. Not not to, to get the pat on the back, but because the Holy God has chosen to be among us. And more than that, he's chosen to live in us. He's given us his Holy Spirit if you belong to him. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Do you realize that Jesus Christ is closer to you Now, through the Holy Spirit, than perhaps he was uh, even to Mary when he was in her womb. Now afterwards, when they received the Holy Spirit, uh, his disciples were closer to Jesus Christ after his ascension through the Holy Spirit than they were when Jesus was next to them. And we have that promise. The Holy One is in us and with us. And that's a good reason. Uh, Whose we are changes everything. He's God Almighty. God dwells among us and is our God. We are God's people. We are welcomed by God. He is a father to us. We are his sons and daughters. It brings us to this. Uh, Who we are changes everything. Because of whose we are, uh, who we are has been changed. We're, We're transformed. We have received the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So Paul says this, He highlights uh, five questions that make it clear that believers have nothing in common with the old ways. And uh, um, Paul's not asking us to escape the world or not associate with unbelievers. But what he's saying is uh, you can't live carelessly and the old way anymore. And so we ask these questions. He starts with this. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. He says, there's a difference. There's a change here. And so let's just stop for a minute. Let's just stop for a minute. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, now, let me just tell you, we apply that all the time to marriage. And in the context, that is not what it's talking about. It's not. It's talking about all the things that the Corinthians were facing. About uh, trafficking with idols. And going to idolatrous practices that brought them into contact with demons. And, and it's talking about uh, the sexual immorality rampant in their, in their culture. And, and Paul is saying, don't be unequally yoked with those unbelievers. Uh, perhaps in, uh, we can apply this principle in a lot of different areas. Uh, perhaps in, in partnerships and things. But listen, if, if, if this principle applies at all it certainly applies to marriage. Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And the questions that Paul asks makes it very apparent. Listen, you're mingling your soul. That's what marriage is about. You're mingling your soul with somebody. You're, you're making your, de- the desires of your heart are, are coming together so that you set goals together. Um, you are mingling the, the, the decisions of your heart so that the things that you decide that you're going to do, the commitments that you make are, are joined. You're, you're mingling the thoughts of, of your heart together so that you're thinking alike and, and you're understanding each other. And let me just ask you, does it make sense to you that you can mingle the soul of a, an alive uh, spirit with a dead person? And you you cannot, Paul's questions make that clear. He says, what what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Can you obey the law and break the law at the same time? Uh, You cannot. What what fellowship has light with darkness? They're mutually exclusive. Their very nature is opposite. The one uh, light immediately dispels darkness. You cannot have light and darkness What accord has Christ with Belial? Belial is a name for Satan. The arch enemy of righteousness. The usurper. What what accord? Their their kingdoms are are diametrically opposed to one another. What portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? A, a, A person who is alive spiritually and a person who is dead spiritually. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? And we, we are the temple of God. So we have to ask ourselves this question. Am I becoming free of the things that defile me in my home, on my hands, in my heart? Am I mingling my life with things that are inconsistent with the person of Jesus Christ? Just a quick word Uh, If you're already in that, God, uh, Paul's very clear. You don't just like walk away from those things. Jerry Bridges writes, it's interesting to note three reasons why... uh, Holiness is not sought after by today's professing Christians, and, and really it kind of parallels the things that we've talked about. It says, first of all, our attitude towards sin is more self-centered than God-centered. We're more concerned about our own victory over sin than we are about the fact that our sin grieves the heart of God. Our second problem is that we have misunderstood that living by faith uh, to, to, we have misunderstood that living by faith uh, takes effort at holiness. We, we think that, well, I don't have to do anything. I had that conversation this week. Uh, God makes us holy, but not by himself, not without us. God doesn't do anything in my life without involving me. So it takes cooperation. I have to work at it like it's all up to me and trust him like it's all up to him because it's a cooperative effort. Our, our third problem is that we do not take sin seriously. It is compromise on the little issues that lead to the greater downfalls. Are we willing to call sin, sin, not because it is big or little, but because God's law forgives it? Or because God's law forbids it, uh, we cannot categorize sin if we are to live a life of holiness. And this is what I talk about. We we move the goalposts, don't we? We say like I'm mature enough, I'm good enough, I'm I'm okay here. I I've I've uh, I've reached a place in my life where where as I look around me, I'm 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 pretty good. I've got my Christian life together, and uh, I'm 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 not as bad as that guy. And you've moved the goalpost because the goalpost is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And God is calling us to something more. And so let's take, the, take a moment here and refocus our lives. Let's refocus our lives uh, by getting the what of the Christian life in our sights. Uh, God wants us to increase in holiness. Let's get our, uh, refocus our lives by getting a, the, the how of the Christian life in our sights. Let's cleanse ourselves from every defilement. God will help us with that. And then let's get our, refocus our lives by getting the why. It's because God himself has come among us the Holy One is here and has entered our lives I'm going to ask you to stand as I pray a prayer of affirmation in the things that we believe about Jesus Christ and then we're going to sing Heavenly Father thank you that you have made us your sons and daughters because of whose we are uh, who we are has been transformed and changed Father, I would pray if there's anyone here who has not yet trusted Jesus Christ and become your child through faith that this would be the day that they do that. And Father, we want to affirm that we believe in Jesus Christ, the righteous and holy one of God and that he came to earth and lived a perfect life and and that he died and took our stain upon him and became the stained savior and that he took upon him the wrath of God and, and paid the debt of our sin and washed his robes in, in the blood of his sacrifice and is now the righteous and holy one revealed from heaven. And uh, Father, we are in him and so we wear the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And Father, we ask that you would now place within us a desire to live out uh, the righteousness of Christ that's been given to us. And Father, help us to seek holiness in our lives and give us a thirst for it because you are here. And Father, we pray that our eyes would be opened to recognize that we belong to you and that the righteous Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior and we want to live for him. And and so Father, our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you, Jesus. You are the standard. And Lord, we want to be like you. So Father, we pray that you will raise up in our hearts love for you and a desire to be like you, and get our eyes upon you, and off the things of this world, off our culture, and off each other, and onto you. And Lord Jesus, our eyes are on you. All eyes, Lord Jesus, are on you. Lord Jesus, help us. Our eyes are on you. Our eyes are on you. Thanks so much for listening. We always love hearing about the work God's doing in our listeners. If God's been doing a work in you, send us an email at info at harvestberry.ca. And remember, you are loved.